Another Way to Play, episode 58. This is Mike Sesniak, CEO and head coach at The Results Engine and host of The Results Engine podcast. Guys, if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my friend Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine-to-five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is someone real special. Uh, He's the world's leading high-performance coach for millennial executives and entrepreneurs. As someone who has personally struggled with panic attacks and anxiety in his early 20s, he realized that he had a very skewed view of what productivity really meant and has sent him on a mission and a path of personal growth that ultimately uh, led his obsession with productivity and high performance. Uh, Through his content speaking and coaching, he uh, helps his clients show up more powerfully and get to the next level, period. This is, of course, Mike Sesniak. He is the CEO and head coach for the Results Engine and the host of the Results Engine podcast. Uh, We get into a couple of really interesting things uh, in this episode, including uh, why he had to climb a 50-foot telephone pole to realize he had a skewed and unhealthy obsession with money. We also talk about his definition of productivity. He talks about not what could you do or could get done, uh, but what deserves getting done. And that's one of the big pillars that he talks about in his coaching and with his clients. So you're definitely going to want to listen in if you're someone who's feeling busy, not enough time, uh, because there's definitely value in here for you. And if you like some of the stuff that he's talking about uh, in the show notes. I've included his free seven-day productivity boost, uh, so go check that out. Um, I'm looking at it right now as I'm recording this. It's pretty fantastic. It's got some great ideas on how to uh, better maximize your time with stuff that actually matters. And while you're down in the show notes, as always, my Calendly link is down there. I'd love to connect with you one-on-one so we can chat about the podcast, what's working, what's not. Uh, what questions I should be asking and all that good stuff. And of course, if this episode or any of the others brings you value, uh, head over to iTunes, leave me a rating and review. I'd really, really appreciate it because it helps me grow um, and gain critical feedback as well. And without any further ado, here is my conversation with Mike Sesniak. Mike, man, appreciate you coming on the show today. Really excited to get into some stuff with you. Yeah, Hans, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. We've heard some of your bio. You've got a lot of stuff going on. We were talking in the pre-chat about some of it. So um, I'm excited to get into what you're doing now. But before we get there, let's back it up and build a little bit of context and talk about where your story began. Yeah, man. So I think that my I like to think that my journey's fairly interesting, but I think the part that probably makes sense to go all the way back to is my college search, which was entirely dictated based on where I could play soccer. Literally, the, the process was, you know, I would my club team would be going to a college showcase. We would go on the website. They had a list of all the coaches that would be there, printed out, 
bring it to my guidance counselor based on my academic goals. He would be like, okay, reach out to these, 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 and these coaches and highlight all of them. I'd bring it home. My dad would help me draft some, some emails and we would go that way. And one of those conversations with my guidance counselor, he said, Hey Mike, you're good at math and sciences. You should look into engineering. I'm like, okay, well, do they make a lot of money? And he's like, yep, my cool sign me up. Cause back then all I cared about was make a lot of money, retire young and open a pit bull rescue foundation. I was like what I wanted to do as a kid. Wow. And uh, so I, I ended up in the engineering program because uh, it was easier to start there and transfer out than transfer in from elsewhere mm-hmm. based on the curriculum. So started there year in, hadn't been scared away by the curriculum. They're like, hey, you got to pick a type of engineering. I'm like, computers are sick. Let's go there. And just survived three years more of it and, uh, and walked away with a computer engineering degree. And then from there, I moved into corporate America and in there... I spent about five years at the company that I was at before I eventually left and took the business full time. Engineering was a really cool opportunity for me to make a bunch of money and fund my entrepreneurial endeavors, right? Mm -hmm. Like outside of commission sales or like having your own business, there aren't that many careers where you can make like really good salaried income from like Mm -hmm. the entry level position and up right? Usually it's like, you got to do the grunt work to get to a level and then you start making serious money. Engineering is fairly profitable from the beginning. So it gave me an opportunity to make a decent amount of money and go to the events, go on the trips and travel, like join the masterminds, hire the coaches and like bet on me. That set me on a journey. And, uh, the consulting coaching consulting was the third, third, I just put two fingers up for anyone watching the video, like the third (laughs) video or third Jeez, man. It's, you can tell it's the end of the day we're recording. It was the third yeah. business that I started while in corporate, uh, built it as a side hustle for the last year and a half while I was there and then took that business full time. Right on, man. Well, that's, that's a really interesting uh, journey for sure and a unique one. When you went into the corporate world, was your entire intent to take to make as much money as you could so that you could invest in yourself and invest in the entrepreneurial ventures or did that come some, at some point into your story? I think it it came at some point into it. Uh, The beginning of my career in corporate was, I think deep down, I knew I always wanted to build something for myself, like be in, like have some business of my own. But in the first maybe year of my career, I would say it was very much focused on, I want to grow this career as much as possible Mm -hmm. because I hadn't been fully sold on the idea of doing something for myself. Um, And I started to grow the career and things were going well. And then shortly thereafter, I was, kind of like reintroduced to entrepreneurship um, at like, I guess an adult level. And it got me into really like personal development, growing myself, getting around people that like wanted more and wanted to create more and, uh, and wanted to like change the world via entrepreneurship. And that's what really kind of created that spark again. And then I just started to shift uh, in terms of what my target was within corporate, because, you know, the, I feel like, millennials like we have a a a very job hoppy culture to begin Mm -hmm. with and engineering is way worse with that like it's it's nuts i remember and i never understood it i kind of felt out of place i felt like i didn't belong because i felt like i wanted to stay like i'm i'm the type of person that like i want to get part of a team that i love and and like ride it out you know and that's very much what i had at the company that i was a part of and um you know, engineering is a very job hoppy culture. And Mm -hmm. if I were just focused on engineering, I would have left because the tech I was working on wasn't that exciting. 
It was a little bit at the beginning, but eventually it got to the point where I wasn't excelling technologically the way that I would have wanted if that was the only target it was to like become the most badass engineer possible. But yep. for me, because big business was the focus, I'm like, cool. Well, I wanted to stay long enough to develop the tech skills because I knew there'd be a technical component of whatever I created. And I wanted to be that like executive or that owner that I could offer a piece of advice, knowing that the people I'm speaking to were way smarter than me because otherwise I wouldn't have hired them. But at least my advice would be taken seriously and not like yes to death. And then when I walked out, they'd be like, huh, what an idiot, you know? Yep. Um, yep. So that was my target. And, uh, but eventually that tech learning, like it wasn't, there wasn't that much opportunity there, but I could pivot and, and maintain my sanity, I guess, within that role because I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can get the soft skills, you know, or mm -hmm. I could, I could have those crucial conversations and I can start to develop those interpersonal skills and seek opportunity in that world, which might not have been as, as relevant had I wanted to stay in engineering. So it all kind of like started to mold. And it, as I, as I grew through that company and started to build different businesses throughout it, but it was all like kind of a, it kind of built together. I guess you you came up through an engineering track in college your guidance counselor kind of helped you figure that out it sounds like and then you yep. were you were sort of engulfed in this in an engineering world for, on a professional level um, was there ever a time when you thought just to get out of it and completely start your own thing or was it always did you always see it as the stepping stone when once you got introduced to the adult version of entrepreneurship i think i wanted to leave for all of it but i knew that that might not necessarily be the best move you know mm -hmm. like shortly there shortly after starting at this company i moved into manhattan and new york city like rents really damn high Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, how the heck am I going to pay for this if I don't have this consistent income coming in? I didn't, I didn't know the funding game. I didn't know how to like go and raise capital for a startup or anything like that, nor did I have the idea to really do anything like that. So it wasn't really an option for me. So I remember a lot of that journey was trying to figure out a lot of those, those pieces, like, how can I make this happen? Like, how can I leave? Is it possible if I don't have a ton of money in the bank, can I, can I, do something like that. And I just never found an answer other than be as, as frugal with my money outside of investing in myself, like invest heavily in myself, but everywhere else cut as many corners as possible. So I could save as much money as possible and, and give myself an opportunity to better myself in that world. I wanted to for a long time, but it was something that I, I just didn't know how to do it faster. And I was just constantly seeking it and working towards it. When you decided to get out of the corporate world, you, you had clearly built up a skill set, both from a technical side, but also, as you said, soft skills and some of these other sort of business development and, mm -hmm. you know, people management and just whatever kind of came your way, as well as masterminds and some of the more obvious investments um, where you have to pay yeah. money to get a course or get access to somebody. When did you know that it was right to to jump out on your own? Yeah. So for me, it's a, it's a crazy story. Um, I was down in Fiji at uh, an event down there and it was a, it was an event called life and wealth mastery that Tony Robbins ran. And for me, a lot of people hear Tony Robbins, they think, uh, unleash the power within like the fire walking, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, for life mastery, the acts like the, the activity is a pole climb. I always joke that I had to climb a 50 foot telephone pole in torrential downpours in the middle of Fiji to finally realize it was time to take the leap. 
because uh, we literally actually <laughs> leapt off of like you jumped off of the top of this pole. But you pair that with I, I had some financial like money mindset breakthroughs at the wealth mastery piece of that event where I kind of didn't realize that I had a very negative subconscious view of money. I always thought I had a really good grasp of like, you know, it's a tool, it's, it's a vehicle to provide opportunity and all these things. Uh, but there was a bunch of negativity that basically all I wanted to leave was, uh, all I wanted to do was to leave corporate. And um, for me, I had this target of, I got to make a hundred grand in the business before I can consider it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had to, had this like massive proof of, proof of concept. And you and I both know that that's very difficult to do in like a five to 7 a.m., 7 to 11 p.m. side hustle. Oh, yeah. You know, so since all I wanted was to leave and the only thing in the way of that was a financial target, money intrinsically became everything, mm-hmm. which is a very, very negative mindset to have. And it took going to that event to really like shed light on that and to start like untangle it a little bit. And then the, the pole climb experience just metaphor. It was like a metaphorical experience that I realized I had put all this work in and made so much progress. It was that last little bit of work. Like those last two steps where there was the most resistance. And that's kind of where I was at. That's a very unique story. But at the end of it, like the, the higher level, what everyone else can relate to is I, I uncovered a bunch of stories I was telling myself that were false. Mm-hmm. Right. That's really the lesson. And I started to poke holes in them. And before I left Fiji and came back to the States, I made sure to put two hours on my calendar. I blocked out two hours to put pen to paper and get immense clarity on my financial situation. How much money did I have access to? How much money did I have in the bank? And how much did I have access to? Like, what were my expenses? How much uh, debt was I leveraging? Good debt, by the way, not like consumer debt, but like investing in coaches, masterminds, things like that. What interest was I paying on them? If it was no interest, when was it coming out of that no interest? All these things and start to get a grasp on, could I do it? Could I leave? And if I could, how many months worth of money would I have? If I couldn't, what did I need to do to get there? And for me, that helped me just like pierce those, those stories I was telling. And I gave my notice six days later from getting back from Fiji. When you were in that uh, event at Fiji and you realized you had some of these negative stories you told yourself, would you mind mm. sharing with us one or two of them and then how you started to deconstruct them? Because I imagine a lot of the people listening can probably relate to this in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So the big one uh, for me was this idea that money's everything, right? And it, we did this exercise where basically, Hans, if you and I were working together, I would hand you my worksheet and you would read me the questions and I would answer them. So there's no filter, like it's just verbal floodgates, right? And I was working with this guy and he asked me the question, what is money? And in my head, the word everything kept popping up. And I literally said to him out loud, I don't know that I believe this, but it keeps coming up. Money's everything. I just felt like I needed to say it out loud. And that's where we really started to shed light on it. And, and what I did to start breaking through it was start to ask those harder questions, right? Like, is this true? So often the stories we're telling, they're not true, but we tell them because either someone else pushed it on us or, or whatever it is. And, and we hear it so frequently that those, those thoughts become stronger. Our mm-hmm. subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between true and false. It just believes what we tell it most frequently and most consistently. So when we're telling those stories over and over again, they start to get some strength behind them. And we could simply pierce them by asking like, is there any truth to this? And when you start to ask different questions, you're going to get different answers and we could start to get a little bit of a shift. So that's what it was for me. It was like, is that true? Can I actually not leave this job until I make a hundred grand? Is that, is there any validation to that? 
And for mm-hmm. me, it was a complete nonsensical story. Mm-hmm. So it took, it took me just like starting to ask those different questions and then being intentional before I even left that environment. There's a whole, so many people talk about like, yeah, you go to these events and you get super high on this motivation and then you go back to real life and it sucks. Yep. Well, we need to make sure that we're, we're starting to do things to actually take that action towards it. And for me, that was before I left that environment that was so awesome and so conducive to all this growth, I just put time on the calendar. And I held myself accountable to showing up to that time and, and putting pen to paper for the story that I needed to break through. And, and that was what it was for me. That's really fantastic. Thank you for, for breaking that down a little further. Yeah. You're, you're in a corporate environment. Obviously, the story you just described the last couple of minutes represents pretty much the end of your time in that, in that very corporate setting. But yeah. during it, you said you were going and investing in yourself, going to trips like to Fiji and to, you know, many other masterminds in the process. Can you talk about your experience with any of your coworkers or colleagues or bosses or whatever around investing in yourself? Because clearly you didn't fit the typical mold of a, of an engineer working uh, and doing a job hopping thing like you described earlier. So like how much resistance did you have? How did you kind of break through some of that cultural uh, and not bias, but like that, that cultural sway trying to push you back maybe into the, the direction that everyone else was going? Yeah. So I was, I was very, very fortunate Hans. I didn't have much pushback from my peers in corporate. It was more like looking at me like, I can't believe you're doing that type of stuff. And not in a negative way, but almost like, almost in a, like, I wish I could do that type of way. That was later on as I started to do like literally leave corporate and chase what was actually meaningful for me. Um, That was the response that I got, but I was very, very blessed to have an amazing manager who I worked for, for probably three to three and a half of those five years at that company. And, um, he was just very supportive of me. It's funny. Like I literally texted him the other day. Cause as I, I was reading a book called the happiness advantage and it was talk. It was by Sean Acor. Great book, by the way. And it talks a lot about how positive psychology benefits the workplace. And I was just reading and I was looking at it and I'm like, man, this is why what Jay did was so helpful in my journey. And I literally texted him. I'm like, dude, thank you so much. And uh, so I still talk to him today. It was amazing, but he was very helpful. Like, there was very little pushback on when I would take time off and stuff like that to go to these events and all that. And I just made sure that I wasn't overstepping, you know, for me, it was like, right. I had a certain number of vacation days. I wanted to make sure I use them well. Right. And, mm-hmm. and maybe take like a quick trip for actual vacation. But other than that, all my vacation days were used on like the tail end, like the beginning or the end of a weekend. So the, mm-hmm. the start of the end of a week to like give myself a four day weekend to travel or whatever, to go to these events. And people knew, I mean, they didn't really care because I got my work done. So I don't know, I I guess I was very blessed to not have to deal with that pushback because I was showing up powerfully when I was at work, you know, I was, Mm. I was doing great work and. That's, that's really, really great that you were able to do that. And I, I think there's a couple of lessons in there. One is if you're feeling this bug of entrepreneurism or at least going out on your own in some way, the answer isn't to put in your two weeks tomorrow and just go for it. Like there are other ways you can go about this in, in the way that Mike is talking about with um, showing up powerfully when he was there and then strategically using his time outside of work or vacation yeah. days to then leverage into some of these events or learning opportunities outside of the workplace. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like at the end of the day, when we're starting anything, we just need to be very careful with our time and our financial resources. 
Mm -hmm. you know, and we're not always going to be able to invest in that coach or that mastermind, which in, in that case, I would challenge people to ask a different question, which is how can I afford to, but Bingo. if that's the thing, then maybe we just need to maximize our time. Right. And for me, that was maximizing my vacation days. It was maximizing my time outside of work to make sure I was doing my best to start to inch closer to my goals in whatever business it was that I was building, mm -hmm. you know, that five to 7am and seven to 11pm, like side hustle type side of things. And just making sure that you're squeezing all the juice out of your days in alignment with what you want to create, not working 47 hours a day because, you know, like Gary Vee told you to, but like doing what you want to do. Like, what do you want out of your life? What needs to happen to get there? Cool. Work in alignment with that. Um, that's, that's my two cents on it, at least. And you have moved into a coaching role out of that engineering space now. So um, when you yeah. were working with someone around how to improve their performance, how do you start that conversation? Like if somebody hasn't ever hired a coach in a business sense before, mm -hmm. which by the way, I think is fantastic that you're doing it. I've hired a several coaches. I'm an athlete. You're an athlete. We had coaches growing up, but no All one has coaches in their business, which is crazy, but that's another story. But how do you, how do you start that conversation with someone who has had very little to no exposure, but knows that this, that having a coach or having a better influence is probably a good thing for them to, to get closer to their goals. Yeah. Well, I, I love what you, I just want to acknowledge what you said right before that, because dude, it's so true. And I had the same realization. I'm like, why did I take ASO soccer more seriously than my life and my business? You know, like when I was six years old, I had a coach, like my whole soccer career. Why was six-year-old Mike taking it more seriously than 23-year-old Mike trying to build this business so I could create the life that I wanted to provide what I wanted for my loved ones? You know, that was how I started to look at it. And, you know, it, I also started to look at like the fitness area in my life. I hired a coach, got better results than I'd ever gotten in my life. And I'd been in the gym for over a decade up until that point. So no mm -hmm. one knew why I was hiring them. So I think that really paints the picture. It's like, if we're not getting where we want to go on our own, if we're not getting there fa as fast as we want to go, or maybe we don't know how to get to that next level, there are people who have already done it, right? Where we can go and seek their, their mentorship, do whatever it takes to get around them and, and learn from them. And we can start to hack the learning curve. Investing in myself is the first thing that the, the, the biggest impact that has ever happened in my life has always stemmed from a big investment in myself, you know, and, and that's just the truth. So mm -hmm. with respect to the work that we do in the high performance coaching world, you know, once people are, are open to the idea that they might be the bottleneck, mm -hmm. right. That, that they, they're doing really well in the public eye. They are, uh, they're a top performer. They're crushing it far more than their peers, but they know there's another level, right? Mm -hmm. These are the type of people that come to us and they know there's another level. Maybe they just feel like they can't get enough done in the day, or there's just so many things fighting for time on their calendar and they feel like the bottleneck. Well, then we could start to dive into a couple areas, you know, and those main pillars that we work in are clarity, energy, courage, productivity, and influence. We dive into a bunch of those different areas, but those are how we kind of create this well-oiled machine. And, and by the way, the way that we define high performance is succeeding beyond standard norms consistently over the long term while maintaining positive well-being and positive relationships. Mm. Right? So I always like to highlight that because you know I was a competitive power lifter. 
a lot of my Instagram content was my powerlifting training and, and people hear high performance. They thought I was a, a fitness coach. I'm like, no, <laughs> it, so it was a branding nightmare, but yeah, we all know that person who's like the financial epitome of financial success, but maybe their relationship is falling apart or maybe mm-hmm. their health's deteriorating. High performance is seeking whatever success we want in our lives, but doing so without pricing the other ones, right? It's not at the expense of them. We're creating a well machine that's firing on all cylinders in accordance with whatever we want to create. Well said. With that, that requires clearly some pretty honest and probably painful conversations with yourself relative yeah. to goals you want, who you want to be, whether I'm the bottleneck or, or something. Um, in, in your personal journey, what role has authenticity and vulnerability played for you? And, and how do you then build that into what you do now with your coaching clients? Yeah, dude, it played a massive, massive role. So a part of my journey that I didn't dive into in the beginning was during that climb in corporate America, during those five years that I spent there, um, the growth was very linear. It was every year was either a big pay raise or a big promotion. And on the outside, things were amazing. Like I had every target that I was going for that I thought I needed to hit. Like the the structure that society sold us of like, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, and then climb that corporate ladder. I was doing these things. And, you know, I had the six figure salary. I had the senior title. I had the luxury apartment all by the age of like 25. But behind closed doors, I was completely broken, like struggling a ton with anxiety, debilitating panic attacks. I'll never forget January 1st, 2014 was the first time I ever experienced a full-blown panic attack. And I was watching Captain Phillips on the movie, on the, on the TV. My roommate was out of town. And Hans, I was so excited to watch Captain Phillips, bro. Like I had been waiting to see this movie for years. And it was ruined for me because of what I experienced that day. And for anyone that's never experienced a panic attack, uh, for me, it felt like there was a thousand pounds on your chest. And I had never experienced anything like this, didn't have any context for what was going on. I had never heard anybody talk about this stuff. And my roommate was out of town. So I was alone in this apartment mm-hmm. on the 14th floor of this building. And I remember I, I picked up the phone and I called my mom because in those moments, like you, you just seek connection, right? Like I didn't, right. I don't want to be the freaking kid to call 911 on himself. Right. right. I had no idea what was going on. And I remember I had to put the phone on mute because I was head deep in a toilet in the middle of this attack because it got so bad. And I knew that my tonality was already going to freak my mom out enough. I didn't need her to hear me puking my brains out and have her freak out on the other end of the phone. I share this because that set me out on a huge, a year long journey of trying to figure out what the hell was going on. I was going to the doctors, getting my chest x-rayed, doing the breathing test. Cause I thought it was physiological. I thought there was a, an issue with my lungs, right? They literally prescribed me an inhaler because they're like, maybe it's asthma. I don't know. This will give you instant relief. Hopefully while we figure out what was going on, they didn't figure out what was going on. And what I realized, cause I'm the engineer, I had to reverse engineer what was going on. And what I realized is without, without a doubt, every single time, a thousand percent of these attacks occurred when I felt guilty for not working. Right. So that told me two things. One, I had zero clue what productivity meant. I thought it meant like being busy, getting things done, checking them off of a to-do list. 
right? I felt like if I wasn't working 47 hours a day, I wasn't being productive enough. Mm -hmm. And then two, you pair that with, which is why I've gone and told this story because of your question, Mm -hmm. a very toxic view of social media. I didn't realize that it was a highlight reel. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at these people that seemingly had what I wanted and I thought I was looking at the blueprint, but really I'm only looking at the wins. I'm not looking Mm -hmm. at the losses. So I have no context. So when you pair those two things together, you have a very, very dangerous combination because, and I'm sure as successful as you've been in your career this far as well, like people like us, man, we have very high goals and very high expectations. And when Mm -hmm. you pair that with a very unhealthy mindset about this and not understanding productivity, it's a recipe for disaster. You know, I, I didn't realize that doing things didn't matter if the things I was doing didn't matter. It, it set me down this path and productivity is just a fraction of what we do in the high performance world now, but it set me down the journey. It opened me up to it. So with all that said, context given to answer your question, it's massively important, important to me, right? To this idea of vulnerability and authenticity. And frankly, I've struggled with it at times. And that's mm-hmm. probably because of these high goals and expectations for myself and maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome, which we all go through. You know, there are times where I'm like, well, I didn't share X, Y, Z intricate detail. Am I really being true to my audience? And I think the question then needs to become like, well, why were you going to share that? I think some of these words can be almost buzzwords nowadays. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. are out there being vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable Mm -hmm. instead of for the sake of being in service. Yeah. So uh, it's played a huge role for me. It's, I feel like it's become part of my mission to really share, be authentic with the highs and the lows of my journey as much as is in service to people. But yeah, it's, it's something that I, I'm constantly working through and, and it's played a huge role for me. Thank you for sharing that, man. I appreciate it. It's uh, yeah. that, that is a, a real situation that I don't know if everyone here has had a panic attack or, or is at least felt that anxiety, but but I love the fact that you just through your story just told us even a way to to start to look at it with that reverse engineer and figure out where what's causing it, where it's coming from, when it's popping up. And um, I'm glad that you were able to identify that because that's that's got to be a huge uh, weight off your shoulders ultimately. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, it was like I, I realized if I were able to if I were able to show up more powerfully when I was working right? Like being actually productive, not just doing things, but like actually productive, having understood what that actually means, and then develop a bit of a healthier mindset around what it will take to get there, right? Mm-hmm. And live in alignment with that. I realized I could have avoided a lot. So it set me down the journey, man. And, and, uh, and yeah, I'm grateful for where it's led me. So we're, we're talking about, you know, you, you've brought up productivity a lot and that, and I know that's only a portion of what you, what you coach on, but can you talk to us a little bit about about productivity, how you define it. And then when you're talking to some of your um, coaching clients about this, you know, what it is that you, you're bringing out and how you're helping people apply this in, in their world. Yeah, it's such a good question. And for me, productivity isn't just about filling boxes. Like we can all fill our calendar with stuff that could get done. Mm-hmm. But I think the better question is what, what deserves to get done? Like what's worthy of our time? And when we start to look at it through that lens, and you can use countless like productivity tips, tricks, all these things to to prioritize in that. But like at the end of the day, we need to fill our calendar with what's important. When we know what's important, then we could start to optimize the calendar and stuff like that. But 
I forget, I'm going to butcher this quote and I forget who said it. Someone shared it with me recently, but like, there's nothing worse than optimizing something that shouldn't be done at all was essentially the message, Mm -hmm. right? Like these things that, that fill our calendar because we feel we need to do them, but they don't deserve our time to begin with. So I mentioned that there's five main pillars we work with. I think three work really, really well together, specifically around this productivity piece, which obviously productivity is one of them. And it's the third one, but the first two are clarity and energy. Mm -hmm. So when we think of clarity, seeking clarity is not inherently difficult. High performers just do it more consistently and more frequently you know, and at the end of the day, seeking clarity is just asking better questions. So with respect to productivity, some of those questions might be like, what's worthy of my time? Like, what am I doing that might not be moving the needle forward as much as I could? Like, what do I actually want to create? Every conversation around productivity should always start with our dreams, always. Mm -hmm. Because why are we doing something if it's not getting us towards what we want to build in some area, whether it's our happiness, our our financial success, like our passionate relationships, whatever. So we'd always need to start with that. So then once we're clear on what's worthy of our time, then we can move into the energy space. We need to be able to generate energy. You know, this is such a successful athlete. Like we need to be able to do it. You and I, Hans, we had to generate energy to show up here, have an amazing conversation and create some amazing content, right? We had to do it. So uh, I loved the energy piece because I came from two worlds that were very stimulant driven. And it was basically the mindset was always, I need to, do, to go and acquire something. I need some external stimulus to, to get me through this next level, right? In the software engineering space, the joke was we turn coffee into code. Mm-hmm. Like the, yep. language, the language I used was literally called Java, right? Yep. And then in the fitness world, the supplement industry is, is just the wild, wild west. There's synthetic right. stimulants everywhere. So it's like, oh, I came from the world of, oh, 3 p.m. slump, got to write tons of code. Let me go get, get caffeinated. I'll go hit Starbucks. Or like, oh, 5 a.m., need to crush this workout. Let me chug some pre-workout you know, mm-hmm. and get through it. I didn't realize that our body, much like a power plant, like we don't need to go and acquire energy. We just need to convert it and transform it, right, and generate it. So that one's really powerful. And when we, we know what we need to do, then we need to generate the energy to show up powerfully for it. And then finally, when we know what we need to do, we've generated the energy, then we can start to optimize that schedule, implement things like time blocking, you know, structure our day a little bit more efficiently and really start to maximize the schedule and, and squeeze all the juice out of it and whatever that means for us and our happiness. Uh, but that's that last piece. So I know there's a lot there, but whatever you think is valuable for your audience, we can dive yeah. into a little bit further. I'm happy to, to jump in. Yeah, man, I, I love what you just said about you don't need to acquire energy, you just need to convert it. I yeah. think I think that can be said in so many different contexts with even, like you said, morning coffee, um, going out to a bar to, to loosen up and go talk to the girl that you're, you're interested in or, you know, everything in between. I, I gosh, there's so many applications. And, and as you were talking, I was starting to think of how that shows up in my life and, and many people's lives that I know. Yeah. Dude, I, thank you for acknowledging that because the thing I love about this work, no matter what pillar it's in, I undoubtedly my favorite thing about this work is how versatile it is mm-hmm. we think we think high performance and you know a lot of a lot of my clients come to me because they want to scale faster they want to boost revenue so that they can scale their impact right mm-hmm. 
it's always like financially motivated, not always, but usually financially and business motivated. Yep. And, and then we're, they're surprised when the breakthrough is like physiological or they're surprised when the breakthrough is in their personal life. Like mm-hmm. I was working with uh, now a dear friend of mine as well, but a client of mine down in Australia, a guy who's played semi-pro soccer, came to the States, recruited on a D1 scholarship to like move across the world to play very athletically gifted guy and very successfully business-wise as well. And within eight weeks of us working together, like, yeah, he had gone from 10K months to 30K weeks, which was awesome. But the breakthrough for him was physiological, which I Mm -hmm. wouldn't have expected. You know, it was little things like, maybe I'll just actually take the time that I told myself I would take for lunch and go sit outside and eat lunch. You know, and it just, it made the rest of his life better, not just the business side, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and I love that, like the same exact skill set, the same exact tools and, and habits that have helped me cr- climb in corporate are the same things that helped me, you know, take the business full time. It's the same thing that helped me stick to a workout plan and deadlift over 550 pounds. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. And we just get to choose where we want to, you know, focus that magnifying glass that we're like trying to, you know, you know, when you use the sunlight to try and start oh, yeah. the fire with the magnifying glass, we just get to choose where we're going to point it right? Into all the different areas of our lives. So I just want to highlight that. Really well said, man. I appreciate it. Before we do end, I want to get to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Definitely excited to hear your answers. Yeah, let's go. So uh, first question is, what book have you gifted most often? The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. I actually have it right here. I was blessed to be able to interview Bob on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. And my uncle sent me that book at the beginning of my journey. Uh, it absolutely changed the game. My number one life pillar is impact over income, which is why uh, I'm, I've surrounded myself with the people that I've surrounded myself with. And the, one of the powerful lessons from there is your income will always be directly proportional to the number of lives you touch in a positive way. And it mm-hmm. just put what I believed to be true in such an eloquent uh, message and that always resonated with me. So I recommend that book aggressively and relentlessly to anybody uh, that really wants to build anything. Fantastic answer. I actually just read that a couple of months ago for the first time. So love that yeah. book. So good. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? I would just say, I would say my grandparents, and I'm going to keep that one broad because I'm not going to play favorites here, but I have, I'm so blessed to come from such an awesome family and my grandparents have overcome crazy stuff. Uh, My grandfather spent four and a half years in Auschwitz. My grandmother came here fleeing that, fleeing the Holocaust, was the first woman to get a PhD in her field from MIT. My other grandfather played in, first of all, he was part of the war and he also played football for the, in the NFL with like leather helmets and then took and like started a business and started like a family company. And then my grandmother was like the rock that like really helped create the amazing family that we've had. So like, I'm blessed to still have my grandmother. Uh, I would love to sit down with uh, any of my other three grandparents that are no longer with us and, and just chat about those pieces because I was too young to really appreciate it when, when I still had them around and I'm going to be seeing my grandmother next week. So I'm definitely going to sit down and talk to her about this. Awesome, man. That's a great, great uh, answer. Your, your grandparents and, and a set of my grandparents had a similar experience in, in Germany as well, but that's maybe for another conversation. Yeah. 
What is one thing you believe that most people would disagree with you on? You don't need money to make money. Can you expand on that just a little bit? Yeah. uh, It helps, but you need access to money to make money. And I think that most commonly and the most feedback that I've ever gotten uh, with respect, we talked about investing in ourselves and I alluded to this before, but a lot of people are like, oh, I can't afford that. And I, I have invested a great deal in myself and my business over the last 24 months. And I have put every single piece of it on a credit card, every single piece. And I've done it responsibly in a way that I get it down to 0% interest or, or something very, very close. But that, that like system isn't taught to us in corporate America and or isn't mm-hmm. taught to us in school and stuff like that. So the question isn't like, I don't need money to make money. I need access to the capital and I just need to make sure that whatever interest I'm going to be paying on it is less than the return I'm going to get. And then we can start to build wealth. So it's not about having the money. It's about having the access. That's awesome. Well, well said. I, I couldn't agree with you more there. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? Yeah. So on a, on a good day, obviously I'm human and not every day looks like this, but here's a good day. I wake up before my feet hit the floor. I'm chugging water. I'm walking into the other room. I get on a foam roller. I roll out a little bit, do some stretching, do some body weight exercises and get the blood flowing. Uh, from there, I will have a green drink. Um, then I'll jump into some meditation. And then after that, I will, I have a, I'm building out a planner. So I have like my, my testing right now, but basically I'll map out my day, which would be like three things I'm grateful for my 30 day goals. And then the three non-negotiable things that I must get done today. That gives me mm-hmm. the clarity for like, what's the roadmap for the next eight to 12 hours. Uh, and then from there, if it's a training day, I'll go to the gym. Uh, after the gym, I'll walk my dog shack. Other than that, if it's not a training day, I'll probably go directly into that walk and get the day started. Right on. We have we actually have similar morning routines, so that's cool to hear yours. You've, you've just launched the podcast, Results Engine Podcast. I'm going to ask you broadly, or this is normally one question, but I'm going to bring it into where can we find more about the podcast and where can we connect with you online? Yeah. So the podcast, wherever you're listening to this show right now, any major podcast platform, the results engine is on. So wherever you're listening to this, type in the results engine podcast. It'll be a nice red cover uh, with my mug on it and it'll be right there. Uh, We jump into, it's just like a lot of raw, authentic conversation around what it actually takes to get next level results in life and business. You know, not sugarcoated. There's a lot of fluff on the internet. I want to dig it like the highs are great for perspective, but I want to talk about the lows and figure out what the lessons were to get back up to the highs and then make it actionable. And, and that's what we do in our interviews. We do two interviews a week coming in February. We'll, I don't know when this is going out, but we're interviewing or we're doing this in the middle of January, starting in February. We're doing a lot of the, a lot of solo episodes as well. So we'll have three uploads a week. Really, really excited about launching all that stuff and uh, really diving deep on a lot of like the nitty gritty, actionable, tactical stuff that we talked about in this uh, interview as well. So if you like that stuff, you'll love what we're doing over there. So I'd love to see everybody over there online, just at Mike Sesniak on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the above. Yeah. If you have any questions, guys, feel free to reach out, um, slide into the DMs. I answer all of them and, and I'm happy to support however I can. Right on. Well, I'm going to link to 
all of that down in the show notes. So if you uh, glazed over for the last 30 seconds, uh, just go down to the show notes. You'll find everything down there from the podcast to Instagram to his website. Mike, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your story with us, sharing what you're doing. And I'm really excited to continue to follow you and support you and, uh, you know, see where you go over the next year. Likewise, Hans. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me on the show. This was fun. I'm excited to be connected, bro. Right on. Likewise. Have a good rest of your day. We'll talk soon. And that's a wrap for today's show. Guys, if you enjoyed my conversation with Mike, uh, go down to the show notes, his information, his Instagram, his Facebook, his website, and his free seven-day productivity boost are available uh, down in the show notes. uh, So you can get all that content and more from him. And definitely you want to go check out this seven-day productivity boost. I'm looking at this right now as I'm recording, uh, and it's got some really good stuff, uh, really good exercises to go through if you're feeling a little too busy and need a boost. So go check that out. And while you're down in the show notes, remember, Uh, to get on my calendar for a quick chat. I'd really, really love to connect with you, uh, learn a little bit more about who you are, what you're liking, how I can make the podcast better and all of that. Can't wait to connect with you. And then of course, if this episode or any of the others I put out brings you value in the least, I'd greatly appreciate a review on iTunes because it really helps me grow uh, the podcast, the following, and obviously gives me some really excellent feedback. So thank you to all those who have. And if you haven't yet, please take a minute or two and just head over and do that because it would mean the world to me. So uh, without any further ado, guys, uh, this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.